massy big the force. Well, that just stink of it, Chris. <laughs> that just stink of it. I the amount of times I am going to be <sighs> quoting Jar Jar Binks uh-huh. on this episode and frankly, like for the next like week. Oh, is, easy, is, easy. It's going to annoy me and everyone yes. around me so mm-hmm. much, but I'm not going to be able to help myself. Like, oh my God. Every single time I go outside now, I'm just going to be like, this sun is doing murder to me skin. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I'm really glad that, like you, one of my favorite things is to quote, like, the not very well-known Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> Oh, they're because, so good. <laughs> because, and here is pro tip number one. Watching episode one with the subtitles, it's a whole new ball game. It's a whole new, it's a whole new oh, ball game. Oh, I feel like a fool. <laughs> it, I mean, yeah. you shouldn't see this is not unwatchable chris we're on a podcast we have a podcast we do a podcast uh it's called nigh unwatchable that is chris harrison this is true and that's Uh yeah (laughs) Stuart. sometimes um Stuart, if you will and i won't but you know who will? George Lucas will, and he will, and he will, and he did. And we're talking about Chris. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. We're talking about his Fury Road. This is this is the movie that George Lucas has on record said, if I had the money and the technology in 1977... This is the movie I would have made. You know, like this. Is... Did he say that mm-hmm. soon after episode one? By the way, if you haven't guessed, uh, technically by the before title, we're talking about Star Wars: Star Phantom Wars Menace episode, episode one. one. Yes, I, I, uh, I'm or sorry. One I... colon Phantom Menace. Whatever. There are so many words in the title and subtitles upon subtitles, but lots of them. It's a great. You know, it's a Star Wars movie. You know what you're getting into. Did he really say that before? He said that before the movie was released, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. This is also... <clears throat> oh, we'll get... Oh, man. I'm so excited to get into it. Okay. Blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. I feel like this is, like, the... This is Star Wars, y'all. This is perhaps... I think... I want to say it is, but I am not 100% sure. The mm-hmm. biggest film franchise in the history of, like, global film franchises i think that is true i do not know if it is the biggest but i think it is um that maybe not it depends sounds, how maybe it depends i mean it's how either it's definition. either that it's either that or marvel i mean you know right. like it's not it's not the point is that it is one of if not the largest media franchise in the world um like it's up certainly there with pokemon oh it's, yeah it's ubiquitous i am I Chris, I I feel perfectly safe in assuming that no less than ninety percent of the people listening to this podcast have seen Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. I feel fully like what? <laughs> there are so few things that you can with confidence put at ninety percent. But I, yeah, man, I feel strong on that one because just like who didn't see it? 
right? So let's 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 take a step back. Let's let's everybody knows that the saying is bad. Everybody knows a lot of why it's bad just, you know, because the movie itself is 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 <laughs> just so incompetent. But let's take a step back and let's let's figure out first how we got here, right? So 1977 a movie drops called Star Wars, okay? That was the name of the movie, Star Wars. That's it. No subtitles, no epithets, no fucking nothing, man. No no no, no episode numbers, okay? Star Wars. If you'll allow me to interrupt, and I'll, yeah, I'm going to do this a bunch to add cultural random context to your very specific helpful context here. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Some of you heard that and don't believe it right away. I have met people Ooh, who saw really? Star Wars come out in theaters, the first one, and are insistent that it was enti- that it had the title episode 4 in the original release of the first movie of any kind. So, just to be clear, that's wrong. <laughs> one right. of those things that like Harrison knows is a, is like a deep cut Star Wars fan. So, unless you like have the receipts in front of you that contradict him, I'm just going to say we're going with Harrison's playbook of what happened. I know there are people who have sworn to me up and down that that was the case, even though it's obviously not the case. It would be ridiculous to release a movie called Star Wars Episode Four when there is no other Star Wars. (laughs) Well, but Chris, so here's the thing. What actually happened is not too, too far off from being ridiculous. Oh, here we go. Because then the second movie comes out. And you might be thinking, okay, if if the first was not originally four, then there's no way that Empire Strikes Back was original. Yes, sir. In theaters, the second movie came out, and it was titled Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back. And then every subsequent release of the original Star Wars movie, it's been dubbed four. Okay? So I have a, That's I have the a chronology. Yeah. This is a me. quick follow-up random history question. Yes. Is this because George Lucas, once he started working on episode five, was like, I want to do the full history of this, so I am going to progress where I left off, but, like, keeping in mind that I... Like, was the notion of starting with four retroactively because he realized he wanted to do a one, two, and three prequel? So there is no, great question, there's no, like, super satisfying answer to that because, okay. it, it, I mean, that that answer really relies on George Lucas and his truthfulness, and that's just not something that he's about, which is fine man you know like i'm not i also want to make perfectly clear i love george lucas like i think i I, i'm so grateful that he that he gave us this franchise like oh yeah i think that's great but just like it's been a shifting narrative from the beginning okay and he's kind of that's what what he's known for like that's always what i've kind of like with my very not deep knowledge of this i remember him editing even the prequels after they came out for yeah. future releases and like editing in CGI into yeah. the old movies for future DVD releases and stuff like that, where it's like, dude, stop, 
working on your thing. It's like the classic yeah. of like if you keep working on it, it's gonna get worse. You need to like yeah. stop at some point. And yeah. George Lucas like until he sold to Disney, like never stopped working on any of these movies. No, and it's a shame because it leads to stupid bullshit. Like uh, I'll give you one, one one of my like least favorite examples. Or favorite. It's one of my... It's easy to use because it's just like, okay, here. This didn't need to happen. It's when he added Jabba into the original movie, okay? Because they originally shot that scene with Jabba as, like, a human. Like, Jabba was just a dude in, like, furs and, and like, he was just some gangster. And then they were like, that doesn't really work. So then the Greedo scene was shot to replace that Jabba scene. And you can tell because a lot of the dialogue is fucking identical. And then, like, George later is just like, oh, well, you know, since I can, like, produce a lot of cool images with CGI, I decided to, like, do CGI Jabba and just put that scene back in. It's like, but George, the scene is worthless now because its function was fulfilled by the Greedo scene, which you shot to take its place. Like, the whole, I mean, it, uh. And we're not even going to get into Greedo. Show. So here's my theory. Okay, I'll give you my theory for why episode five was dubbed as such. I've long okay. maintained that I don't believe George when he says that Darth Vader was originally Luke's dad. Like, I bullshit. That was not the plan from the beginning. I, I, I think there, there's just a lot of evidence to suggest that that was that came into fruition pretty late in the production cycle of the the fifth movie or, or episode five and i think okay. as a result that's why he named it episode five because he realized that this change to the canon was so massive and so like ridiculous and unaccounted for that it required an entire prequel trilogy to explain how this like one massive change to canon would even work that's why I fully, I mean, like, for as great as I Am Your Father is, as a cinematic moment, as as the best moment in the franchise, because you just don't see it coming, but the reason you don't see it coming is because it doesn't make sense. And ever since <laughs> that moment happened, Star Wars has been bending over backwards to explain itself. Like, Which I will say to is, a ridiculous is one degree. of those things where I would be like, that's outrageous and no one would do that because who would imagine that they might be able to one day make a prequel trilogy? That said, I do know that George Lucas tried to get, what is it, two sci-fi movies made prior to star wars and like one of the well, famous lines about him before making star wars is like if the studio doesn't buy this if they don't let me make this i'm gonna go into porn like we were on the cusp well, of george lucas either making a brand new franchise or being what probably would have been the king of porn like <laughs> well and i mean and uh, i mean another another crazy thing is that it is it is very obvious in retrospect that like the death star was not supposed to be blown up in the first movie he didn't know if he was even going to get another movie so he's like fuck it i've got to throw everything i've got at, at at this thing see what happens and then because like a lot of there are 
a lot of what I'm basing this on is the first draft of Star Wars, which I've read. Mm. Like it's 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 available out there. It's not very good. <laughs> like, like it's but it's a it's a first draft, you know, like whatever. And it it yeah. changes a lot a lot a lot. But I'm basing it on that and then also there were like George had written out outlines of like the next two entries and then was largely starting to convert them to like novels because he was like there's just no way that they're gonna let me make another one of these like it's getting to be super expensive it's just not (laughs) it's not gonna work and it was a hit but like the death star 2 the reason why that is stupid and feels kind of off is because it is stupid and it is off and it wasn't supposed to be there was supposed to be the original death star but like in other yeah. words, there's just a lot about the production of Star Wars that has forced it over the years to step back and be like, wait, 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 but I can, I can explain. I can explain. And it's the only I good think... moment of like weird, dumb choices like that, and I will say it is not a good choice and it is mm-hmm. not, not a dumb choice, but I understand it is when J.J. Abrams puts in a third Death Star in the seventh movie. (laughs) And the reason I respect it and understand that choice is because it already happened twice in the franchise. And it's kind of like this hilarious nod to be like, and now here's another random Death Star that shouldn't be here. Exactly, exactly. And, and, (laughs) and, 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 I mean, that is like... I, I like The Force Awakens fine. The Force Awakens feels like a, a, a ride, you know? Like, it feels it like a theme park ride. So. It doesn't feel like it should be in canon. Because it, it's just like you have several, like, several Mary Sues just, like, <laughs> running around. You have just, like, this weird kind of, like, overview winking ass like it's very it it breaks the fourth wall entirely too often you know (laughs) like like it really is like hey this is a star war (laughs) it's like yeah (laughs) i know we get it (laughs) um and that's that's a to me a really crucial part of star wars is not breaking the illusion right not not constantly like i get it man it's super cool that we're making star wars it's one of, like, it is so basic to, to like, Star Wars. It is. It's, uh, like, oh, especially yeah. within, like, <laughs> nerddom, like, the things that you could like within nerddom. Like, Star Wars is is a pretty easy, I'm not saying, I fucking love Star Wars. I'm just <laughs> saying, you know, it's, it, it's one of those things that oh, a yeah. lot of people have a connection to. Well, it's exactly, because so many people like it, there is the distinction, like... There are, everyone's seen it, so you have yep. the, nearly everyone above a certain age has seen this movie, or these movies. Then you have the level of, within that faction, there's the, like, 80% of that group that like these movies and like the universe. <laughs> and then within that faction, there's, like, the 40% of that 80% of that 100%. Right. That are like uber fans, which is a yes. massive uber fan base. But it is it also is. one of those important things of like, between Harrison and I, I am a, I like Star Wars. I would never say I'm a fan of Star Wars. Not because that isn't true, but right. because when you say you're a fan of Star Wars because of what it has become, that exactly. means something exactly. like intense which I do not have, like, an intense well, fandom of Star Wars. I like I Star also, Wars the way I like Harry Potter. 
Yeah. Like, I'll put it on and I'll have a nice time. Yeah, like. but I need to, like, I, I, I should definitely specify that everything that you just said is, in my estimation, a big part of the toxicity of Star Wars fandom, is that because oh, with every fandom, it is though. so big, because it has touched so many people, because there's been so much fucking content produced for it over the years, it just oh, inevitably, man. it inevitably produces gatekeeping. You know? Oh, it has. Like, I mean, just like anything. I mean, it it mimics academia, academic gatekeeping more than, I mean, most intense fandoms do, but like more so than any other. And I think the reason, like you just literally what you just said is the reason for that. It is such a massive canon and such a massive franchise. It yeah. almost is a field of study unto itself. So it has <laughs> that feeling that like any academic um uh field has which mm -hmm. is like whenever you're starting out in any reading any academic work like i'm not going to grad school have never been won't ever go but occasionally i like to pick up a book written by a phd and it takes me like 20 pages before i can like really read the book yeah because the first 20 pages are me learning all of the lingo that like is used <laughs> to describe everything in this field of study and inevitably all the lingo can be reduced down to very simple language but it's all about the gatekeeping God. you gotta use this word these words to like make it sound really smart and cool and it's like yeah hey, you could have said this a lot easier because like mm -hmm. if you're gonna explain it you're gonna say it easier so why would you use all of these words in a text that is apparently educational to make it impossible to understand but whatever my problems with academia aside star wars has that same thing it's like you start talking to an uber fan as someone who generally likes star wars and you <laughs> mess up the model of a droid or the name of a ship or a planet yeah. oh my fucking god <laughs> yeah which but chris that's that's kind of what i'm driving at with all of this is that that is such an insane mentality if you break it down because from the fucking beginning this series has been retcon city. I mean, just like <laughs> every other thing has to be changed and tweaked and moved around and slightly altered and explained in like way too much detail, like too much detail where it's like, oh, actually, it wasn't a really good shot that Luke used with the force. There was this whole thing where it was like a trap. I know, like I mm. don't don't so love that, but. Let's but talk about this movie, I the guess, Phantom in relation Menace to... is the yeah. opposite. Like, <laughs> what the Phantom Menace has is the opposite problem of, like, it refuses to to look at the audience. You know, like, it, it takes itself perfectly seriously, despite the fact that what's going on <laughs> on screen is utterly ludicrous 90% of the time, if not more. But, like, okay, just consider the problem that George Lucas had between the years 1983 and 1999. He had three movies to explain how the fuck <laughs> Darth Vader could be Luke's father in any satisfactory manner. Okay. And also how he is Leia's father and therefore how Ooh, royalty fits into this. You're because right. She's royalty. You're right. You're right. <laughs> When you're right, you're right. You see, like, I honestly, I forget about the Leia twist all the time just because, like, 
you know, if 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 you can't convince me that Vader was planned, you sure shit can't convince me that Leia was anything more than just like, yeah, you know, it's like in the last movie there was this big surprise having to do with family. So I thought, oh, now I'm slipping into Jordan Peterson, and I don't, I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to do that to to my boy George Lucas. But like, okay, so we start out on Naboo, um, which uh. is one of my favorite planets in, in Star Wars canon. Well, not only is it beautiful, it's one of the only planets in all of Star Wars canon that breaks the, uh, the, the, are you familiar with the planet of hats, um, trope where like, Oh, it, it's like, it's not one ecosystem. Across exactly. The entire planet. <laughs> There's two. <laughs> and that's I a know, lot wow. more than you ever get in any other Star Wars. <laughs> like everything, it's always the ice planet Hoth, you know, like Mustafar, I, I the, how... the volcano moon or some shit. And then I love you how get... everyone accepts that because our brains yep. are just like, yeah, that's cool. And like, like I want that. But like yeah. in reality, it's like your backyard has a more diverse ecosystem than those <laughs> planets in Star Wars. Like... <laughs> it's true. It's true, but I do really like that. Um, one thing that I think that the prequels does, the the prequels do really well. That I don't think that the sequel trilogy does as well is I think that there is a very good mix of existing aliens and new ones. I think I think it's it's uh, uh, a big exception being most of the ones that we're going to talk about in this particular movie. Because we can't escape the Droid Federation. Chris, the Droid Federation is um, blockading the planet Naboo, and God, it's 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 one of those. And we're gonna run into this a lot in this particular movie. Technically impressive. These these uh, these Federation oh, yeah. types. They uh, uh, Newt Gunray. The leader like it's it's a nice it's an interesting combination of like puppetry and like actual like acting and makeup it works and then you hear them and they're like they're basically Asian how stereotypes well they're how the japanese sound in south park like they're that <laughs> level of like ooh, <laughs> like there's no it's it's just you know i think what bothers me the most is is that and again it comes up with a lot of aliens in this movie there's just too many coincidences you know it's like not only do they sound a little asian they're into robotics they're you know like they're a greedy trade federation that's blockading a small island basically i mean it's a planet but an (laughs) island like you know there's just there's too many similarities there's like you just made the space Chinese. You can't just make the space Chinese. That's not. <laughs> I do not accept that. Particularly when but is it okay the if greedy. You make... <laughs> <laughs> is, gr- is it okay if you make half a planet Jamaican? <laughs> well, yes, Chris, it absolutely is. And I'm so glad you brought that up. Does that, that undercut up. the issue? <laughs> because, because they totally undercut the issue because as soon as you're like not as soon as you're sure you're uncomfortable with the droid federation, you get smacked so hard in the lip with like something that just like even to a child can register is like, 
that's a Rastafarian man alien. Do you want to know what the sound of getting smacked in the lip by this movie is in this exact way? Because uh-huh. I have it for you. Oh, hit me. <laughs> you are so right. And I cannot believe that I was about to just just wee-hee right on over. Brian fucking blessed. That's the thing. This movie... What? That's Brian fucking blessed. It sure is. OBE, Sir Brian, uh, to you. <laughs> of of it, to to nerddom. So I, I you know, he's he's a big like stage actor, but to nerddom, a fun little connection here, and there are several fun little connections in this movie, is that he's in the Flash Gordon movie. Um mm. and Flash Gordon is like a huge inspiration for the original Star Wars. So there, there's some nice. There's, there's another Savior one of those. Savior of the universe. Yeah, Savior of oh. the universe. <laughs> I really like that movie. Um, All I can think of is the fucking Queen song when I hear that. Queen did the whole soundtrack. Wait, really? Have you not seen Flash Gordon, dude? No, I've only oh. ever heard the song by oh Queen, my and God. I didn't even We're realize it was watch. part of that. <laughs> We're not gonna. Well, we're not. I refuse to watch uh, Flash Gordon for this because, I, again, I like Flash Gordon. Like I, oh, I will accept an argument for it being bad, but like I, I enjoy it so much that I can't. I, I just can't. But yeah, that's Brian Blessed, uh, uh, King of the Underwater uh, Jamaicans, the Gungans, the Gungans. Which again, anyway, should we? If you so we go down to the planet, and that's the. Are we going to talk about the plot at all, or only uh, sparingly as it relates to bad stuff? I think You've sparingly. Seen it, so. I think sparingly as it relates to bad stuff, just because like I want to get to the parts of the plot. There are parts of the plot that are internally confusing. In other words, like they 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 don't track well with the plot of this specific movie. But more so, there's so many elements that do not track with the rest of the franchise that oh, <laughs> it's yeah. just like. George, you are making this progressively harder for yourself to uh, a big one being that like, so after Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, which, okay, so that right off the bat, right off the bat, we have canon being broken here because Obi-Wan tells Luke in Empire Strikes Back that Yoda was his master. Okay, so like adding in Qui-Gon. Obi-Wan played by a, a baby-faced Ewan McGregor a because baby-faced. this movie came out in 1999. It I forgot sure that did. I was fucking seven when this movie came out. I know. This was like well, that's why I like this movie. Like I can't. First, I that's cannot. why everyone our age likes this movie. We It was like the first Star Wars we got to see in theaters and it was literally designed for our brains. <laughs> like it our was. little child brains. I was not allowed to see it for a while because Darth Maul kind of looks like the devil. Okay, so Aww. they they get they 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 take a the bongo, right? Um, the bongo Which is an underwater ship. It's an underwater sub. Uh, uh, Jar Jar and Qui Gon and Obi Wan then show up at the Naboo. So this also this is confusing as fuck to me. Anyway. Um, the Naboo is the name of like the state of the humans of Naboo, and then Thebes is the name of the capital of the Naboo on the planet Naboo. It's it oh, like that I, is 
it's I have never known it's that. It's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. Which is, <laughs> it is like, clearly that detail, like, doesn't matter because I've never known that and I've never misunderstood what's going on in the movie. But knowing that broken down, that is aggravating as hell. It I, is. I, I it hate is. to know that. Like, you, when especially... you are making all of the shit up, there is no reason to make it that confusing. Nope. <laughs> you could just pick a slightly different word. You sure could. Uh, but nope. It's, it's, it's the Naboo on the planet Naboo. But anyway, oh, uh, I God, we almost forgot the the super 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 makes a lot of sense. Um, so Princess Leia needs to be a princess, right? So mm-hmm. her mom needs to be a queen, and the way that George Lucas accomplishes this, like like again, this is one of the tasks he has before him in this movie. He's like, well, what if Queen was an elected position? I mean, weird, but okay, I'm listening. And what if what if it was always, like, prepubescent chicks? What if, that yeah, were elected what if it was to this always, like, a 16-year-old girl who was, like... Excuse me? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it works. I'm, I'm doing it. George. Why? Well, because if she's 12, right... Right, Wait, what? I thought she what? was supposed I, to be... It, you're exaggerating, right? She's supposed to be, like, 15, 16, right? I... Man, it's so... she does not so look 12. <laughs> unclear. No, she doesn't. And, like, it's, I mean, she also isn't. Think, Natalie Portman was, like, in her, like, late 20s when this movie was shot. <laughs> or think, early 20s, I at think least. I think she's supposed to be, like, 14. Or okay. something like that. But, like, that's another thing that, that like, it, it's just, it produces an unnecessary problem for him later because Anakin is very young. And, and like, they introduce us to these characters and it's like, okay, well, they're just, like, not at all the same age. And then in the next one, I was like, oh, they fuck it. I was like, wait, excuse me? <laughs> Which, like, totally, like, if you're going to give me the argument of, like, that makes sense if you, like, it does when you're older but it's also like that's not not creepy like if you tell right. me that you're dating someone four years younger than you at our age i'm like whatever fine you know yeah i don't care but if you tell me you're dating someone four years younger than you and when you were 11 you babysat this person <laughs> i might be like that's a little creepy that's a little spooky isn't it you know, no, that no, feels like no, Chris, there were some Chris, hang on Chris, feelings that Chris, you just could not get over. No, and now that everything's legal I, and not creepy. I, no, Chris, <laughs> here's the thing. It's fine because he's obsessed with me. Mm. So, you know, gotcha. fair game. In this case, she's obsessed with him. Yeah. I don't know. God, it's anyway. Can I point out the issues with the Queen thing? Because immediately oh, yeah, I was like pissed off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First off, if you elect the queen, then your kids aren't royalty, are they? <laughs> no, Chris, they sure aren't. Um, especially since by the time she has kids, she's not queen. So that's... Bingo, bango. I have bingo, a second bango. thing here. The whole time in the post-prequel movies, including the Disney-owned, the Disney-made portion of the saga... <sighs> Leia is is treated by like just so many many different people as royalty from all over the galaxy like people from many many different planets think of her as royalty 
refer to her as kind of like this like thing Your that represents highness. the resistance. Yeah. So centering that on this one puny planet that's getting beat up at the beginning of the story is like, well, that doesn't make sense that anyone would really give a shit. Like, Chris. again, if you're going to make this up from the beginning and you have all this time, why would you not have the Senate and the Republic be tied to a monarch and have her be the queen of Coruscant slash the galaxy, but it's like a Republican Caesar type deal. And then when she gets deposed by the Supreme Chancellor as like a figure, she's a figurehead and then it becomes fascism and she goes away and then she becomes the leader of the resistance. I don't know. You know, since Star Wars is known for pulling examples from history, (laughs) maybe like fucking England. Like there are lots of good examples of like, countries that were fighting fascism but had monarchs anyway like you could do that i i hate it i hate it's just so like you didn't think this through at all man no 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 we didn't and you're not you're not even we're not even taking into consideration that it's even dumber than that because leia's status as a princess actually has nothing to do with padme being a queen like that what? was a totally yes, her princess status comes from the fact that she is the daughter of a dignitary, <laughs> being Bail Organa. <laughs> so she is a princess because she's the daughter of a senator, that's from the royal family of Alderaan. Oh, so right, there was she's no reason, or there was no reason whatsoever. To even make Bad May a queen, to even complicate matters in that fashion. Um, but we I didn't even to. realize that I totally forgot about the Alderaan thing. Yeah, so did George. Uh, so did George. <laughs> okay, anyway, so the Federation of Droid, Trade Federation, got an army of droids. They're invading Naboo. The queen is there. Qui the queen Gun escapes. Obi Wan come down because they want to stop this war, because we've been told that the Chancellor, the Supreme Chancellor Valorum, told them to you know get shit under wraps. Yeah. So they're there trying to make sure that like Naboo doesn't fall. Meanwhile, same time in Coruscant, I'll let you take over now. I just feel like we needed to establish a little more. A little more of where. Well, we no, we don't. We don't even cut to Coruscant because we have to go arbitrarily through Tatooine. Like oh, you're so, right. we on, have to on the go way, to Tatooine for an yeah, hour. everything. Everything in this movie happens <laughs> on accident, right? Like Jar Jar runs into them on accident and ends up being important somehow. I, like every everything, everything. So after they escape the blockade on Naboo, they get oh, right. They basically like smuggle the queen out in her own ship, right? But like, the ship is damaged. R2 saves it. That's right. R2-D2, who in no way, shape, or form should be anywhere near this part of the fucking story, is at the center of it. I and... don't even... I was thinking that when I was watching it. I And I, I assume there is a scene in this movie where they introduce R2. When is that scene? Because I don't remember. Like, halfway through the movie, I was like, why oh, is Chris. R2 here? And I couldn't remember how Chris. he showed up. With the seminal, with the seminal line, "Hello, boyos," <laughs> like Obi Wan just shoves Jar Jar into a closet, essentially, which is like where the droids are kept. And 
Jar Jar's like, hello, and then one of those droids is R2, and then R2 is the droid that he bypassed the main generator. Um, he fixes the ship. The ship is able to get to Tatooine, but like no further. They decide to go to Tatooine because it's not owned by the Droid Federation. Um, something incredibly frustrating <laughs> happens here, though. So at this point in the movie, uh, Kira Knightley is also in this movie, which which. Mm-hmm like a lot of people forget about because she is predominantly in the queen makeup. She is playing a decoy. Natalie Portman. <laughs> yes. She's playing a decoy, but at this point they've already swapped and Padme, who is actually the queen we later find out is, is, you know, in disguise as one of the handmaids. If that were true, why would the decoy make the handmaiden Padme, who is really the queen, Go clean that droid. <laughs> like, hey, queen, go do my bottom bitch work. It's like, ah, <laughs> you know, I, I just don't like I get I get for the sake of uh, 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 appearances, you know, to kind of keep up the ruse. But I don't know that you would be doing that. I no, you could have picked any of the other good ones. Point. That is a totally unnecessary thing to have her do, especially when the queen is always surrounded by like no less than six handmaids. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, I'm really glad that you identified the fact that R2 is just with them from this point out because it's actually problematic that he's there for, for, for the sake of like consistency within the plot. Because once I get to Tatooine, uh, Qui-Gon and for some fucking reason, Jar Jar decides to go like into town Padme or the queen, you know, disguises the handmaid and R2. Okay. So they have this astromech droid that's just with them. Okay. And they have nothing to barter with. Chris, what's wrong with the fucking droid? Why can't they like, like there's no other reason why they cannot sell that goddamn droid. Then, well, that's R2. You can't sell R2. R2 has to be there. Honestly, like, <laughs> honestly, the it, their plan, his plan worked. Yeah. I wonder if that plot hole was pointed out and they were just like, yeah, but it's R2. No one's going to even consider that they could, like, trade R2. <laughs> Dude, I have seen this movie so many times and it did not occur to me until this viewing. When I was like, well, trade R2. Like because 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 he's such a staple in the franchise. The idea he's like part of the wallpaper. The idea yeah. that he would be like something you could sell is like well, I never thought about it. Before. Exactly because it would be like like it seems as mean as saying like sell Chewy. <laughs> I was like no, <laughs> I will not, sir. But even though like but, that kind of has happened to Chewy in the franchise. That has kind of happened, but also like they just met. They have no like emotional connection to R two other than like. This droid did its job once. That is their their current understanding of that droid is that it did precisely what it is like <laughs> supposed to do. And it's oh like that's God. not yeah. Like it but the only reason why I realized it is that there's a shot. It's like an upward angle and uh Jar Jar's like, "We're so going to get crushed. We're so going to get robbed." He's like, "We have nothing of value. That's the problem." And R2 is like, "Beep beep beep." And it's like Wait a minute. Hang on. <laughs> what did the droid say? <laughs> did the droid say? I like that's the... right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no, totally. There's, there's not, 
nothing here. We're, we're not gonna. Oh wow. Not gonna look into that. So you know because they can't do the obvious thing and sell R two for the parts they need. Which another thing that I've never noticed is that their ship is a Nubian class, and it isn't spelled like like. <laughs> It's spelled exactly like Nubian, like Nubia, like Africa. And it's just... Oh, my God. It has Not never occurred Nabu. to me. No. Nubian. N-U-B-I-A-N. Like, like the word oh that we're all... Yeah. Oh, my God. That is just like... That's one of those little details that doesn't matter at all. But that is but so it's annoying. So it's stupid. Like, it was right in front of you. Yeah. You could have named it the exact same thing. Nabooian. Just with double O's. Nabooian. Like... <laughs> just not Nubian. You cannot spell it exactly the same as like... Like, we already have that word. That word exists on Earth. That's an Earth word. Ugh. But anyway, yeah. so they get into this super convoluted <laughs> plan... Where this young slave boy, owned by the incredible... Oh, so the junkyard dealer is just like... Who they're trying to get parts from for their to, broken ship. Who they're trying he's to get parts from. He's a flying goblin dwarf man. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, he's... <laughs> Chris, he's a, he's a flying problem. He's a, fly, With he's like a flying problem, isn't mouth. he? He's got... He's just got a fucking <laughs> trunk... And just golly, an accent that's a bit of a problem to be associated with a large nose and money loving. Again, it's about it's about the preponderance of evidence here. It's the same with the Droid Federation, where it's like, if it was one of those things was your whole deal, Watto, that would be fine. But all of them together, all of them together make me very suspicious of you. Uh, I'm I'm a little okay with it, but I also shouldn't be. Part of the issue with Star Wars racism, whether you're talking prequels or the other stuff, or the the other stuff, the other movies, is especially when they're written by George Lucas, <laughs> it falls into well, frankly, it falls into like a George Lucas formula that's kind of unique to him. The problem yeah. is that George Lucas is a wildly successful screenwriter among other things but like the dude wrote all of the indiana jones movies so like all of those slots are the same and they feel natural because i have already been through this storytelling process before it's amazing to me as you're pointing out like specifically this racist element is like wow that is a little racist and you know who that character reminds me of he reminds me of the (laughs) Egyptian character, surprisingly least racist moment of Indiana Jones where they have, like, the Egyptian helper guy. And I think, Mm -hmm. like, he's not even Egyptian in real life. But, like, the guy who uh, always helps them out in Indiana Jones and is like, I actually, like, know the area and and all that. And I was like, oh, my God, he's basically the same dude because he sells him stuff, generally helpful, a little different. Obviously, he's not, like, nice like the Indiana Jones character. But, like, fits that exact function as a character and is also like a way to have like a a non-white person be there but also not be there too long it's like yeah well so and that's that's the thing is that like honestly what is probably going on here is that george just had to come up with an excuse for why 
like Qui-Gon uses the Jedi mind tricks a decent amount in, in this mm-hmm. movie. He uses it on several Gungans. He, I mean, like, he's doing it left and right. And he tries it on Watto. He's like, no, it won't. What do you think? You've got a Jedi <laughs> waving your hand around like that. Uh, and the reason is that it's a great Doidarians, you know, that it doesn't work on them. So they meet a little slave boy owned by Wada who comes up with a hyper convoluted plan to enter. Oh, one more thing to add to why the Wado thing is like unfortunately anti Semitic. I oh, think yeah, go ahead. he could have gotten away with it wholesale, uh-huh. except for the line that happens right after what you just said. Because the line that happens right after that, where he's like, oh, what a Jedi mind tricks don't work on us money that'll yeah. work on us yeah Which is just he like, literally damn. does the yeah like if you yeah the he does the money of the hands. fingers <laughs> like <laughs> if, you, if you fucking didn't have that line you could probably get away with it and just being like you know maybe you're over you're reading into it too much it's like i would be except for that part where you say the language this character understands is cash yeah <laughs> that's the problem yeah that it, like really finishes the drawing <laughs> No, it's great. It's great. And this little slave boy is going to build a pod racer. He already has. He, oh, Chris, you're so right. He already has. He's going to enter it into the Boonta Eve race. Uh, it's a holiday or something. And Chris is basically just Formula One. But the pod race is without a doubt next to. No, I think it's the best part of this movie. I really do. Oh, it's amazing. If you are somehow, and I know you're not unfamiliar, but I do like talking about what a pod is in a pod racer because the conception of this is pretty hilarious. In yeah. like a in a good Star Wars way. I'm not even critiquing this. Yeah. A pod is a floating seat, basically. Yep. It's mm-hmm. like a floating like driver's seat of of like a car or like a one of those motorcycles that isn't a motorcycle with like a roof you know it's like one of those and then attached also floating to either side of the the pod itself are effectively just two jet engines like it's just, just that's it two, it's like two jet engines connected jet to engines. cables connected to this pod and all of them are like hovering and that's yep. the whole thing it's awesome it's fucking rad it's basically just formula one like it is (laughs) it's just cool and they're like you know racing in the desert on this like course um so it's really fast which is cool because it leads to a lot of force speak you know about how like feel don't think trust in the force it's great uh i really the pod race just like the pods themselves are really cool the, the it's a great race scene. itself is very exciting even though like you know what's gonna happen it's still just like oh but how are we gonna get there very, i was surprised at how much i tensed up even like knowing how it was gonna go down i was like oh no little annie you know it's it's i, I think it's the only scene that in the entire movie that i really just like don't have notes on you know it's just like i liked all of that all of that can stay (laughs) loved every every second so like qui-gon also did some fuckery and like gambled with Watto to free anakin oh 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 oh, shit chris i skipped right over because everybody what i've been waiting for you to talk about yeah 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 (laughs) um the reason they're so interested in (laughs) anakin 
is, is that because Anakin this... identifies Qui-Gon Jinn as a Jedi. So now he's curious about this boy. So he he's... gives him a blood test. He gives him a blood test. And you might be Which... thinking, what now what does blood have to do with the Force? And this is where George <laughs> Lucas reveals his full hand that actually blood is everything to do with the Force via a little something called midichlorians. And they the eventually, side. they do not tell you what midichlorians are for like another hour, but we'll spoil it. Harrison, what are fucking midichlorians? Well, honestly, Chris, <laughs> I think we can skip directly to that part of the movie because like after, oh, yeah, after the pod race, they go to Coruscant and it is punishingly boring. Like, this yeah, they is have, the by the way, part. at this point, our cast includes Anakin as well as Padme. Yes. And... Because they Jedi, and now we get to meet the Jedi Council and Senator Palpatine, who represents Naboo and is like obviously trying to take over and like become the next chancellor. Anyway, sorry, you go for it. So, <laughs> no, no. Uh, so just one note, another fun casting note here. Uh, Terrence Stamp is playing Chancellor Valoran, who you yeah. may recognize as Zod. From Superman 2. So that's another. Ooh, yeah. That is not what I recognize him from. I, no. Yeah. No, He's there's a lot of lots stuff. of better <laughs> things to recognize him from. But I think it's really funny that Terrence Stamp talked about how much he just like hated working with George Lucas because Lucas is like a one take man. <laughs> like, <laughs> I also I also think there is an amount of I believe that he's a one take man. I also think there is so much over direction. And the reason yeah. I, for the acting specifically, and the reason I say that is because this movie is replete with like incredible actors who at the time this movie was made have all proved themselves. Mm-hmm. Like in some cases, many cases, multiple times. Maybe not Ewan McGregor. I forget where he was in this career, but I know train spotting has spotting already out. happened. Yeah. So like, even if it hasn't been multiple times, he's already like he's really showed himself. his chops. Yeah. And everyone in this movie's acting is like so stilted <laughs> and stunted and just like said with like the whole the whole thing of the Nabooian queen. And this actually, this is the only one that is a little bit okay. Is that she just speaks in monotone the whole time when she is wearing her queen outfit, but not when she's not, which I appreciate as like a little cultural defining thing of like, when you're in the role, you have to be like neutral or whatever. That's like, that's nice. I'll accept that even though that's not really explained, but I'll accept that. But everyone else, I'm just like, why is everyone talking like they are either reading a speech or hate themselves? Like it is like one of the Because both of those things are true. (laughs) <laughs> like all it is of- like george lucas was so obsessed with how they spoke that like there is just no real good line spoken because everyone seems to just be saying the words because they're afraid to like leave that boundary yes uh, except when like they get super duper like it's very clear that he told them exactly what he wanted and they just did it like that. And like, sometimes it comes off borderline sarcastic. Um, yeah. But like, that's especially what, well, that's with the, I guess, that's with the I child mean acting more often, 
like yeah it 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 it, like with the with the child actors especially though you could tell that he was just like i want you to say it just like this you know (laughs) like mom you say that the biggest problem is nobody helps each other in this universe. They like just flashes the puppy eyes at the same time. It's just, oh god, it's so, it's cheesy, it's saccharine, it's awful. Um, George Lucas is, I mean, like, make no mistake, the reason this movie is bad is because this is the movie that George Lucas had the most control over. That's that's why. Like, he's just, he's not a good screenwriter. He's not a very good director. Uh, he's an incredible I, art director. He's I an think incredible. I he's an incredible director, but he, yeah, I, I would say he's an incredible director. But you gotta play to a director's strengths, and that's the job of the producer. And the producers clearly did not have enough power, or did not feel that they had enough power to like put really sway anything there because directing is a job of management foremost you are managing in a case of star wars you know literally thousands of people so like it is a tough tough gig and being able to manage that many people but maybe not direct acting really well or maybe not direct you know production design really well is like that's fine but that's also why you have other people who you work with, who you trust to handle that side well. And it's clear that nobody told George Lucas he is not good at directing acting because that type of director, clearly he can manage a massive set. Like, clearly, the movie is beautiful. But what he needed to do was give his actors the freedom to do their fucking jobs. Like, he needed to step back and say, hey, this is your job, is to do the making people into people thing so do that instead it's like he clearly got so granular with it that they come off as hollow shells which is not which is not good i mean that's always one of those things wherever i've been on sets and i've never directed on a set before or i have but never on like a massive set but Mm -hmm. when i've been working for other people (laughs) as like a pa on sets that's one of those things that always makes the scenes run way better is yeah. when you witness a director just say, like, go. The actors do their thing, and then all the notes the director has are usually blocking notes when they involve the actors. They're not yeah. about the acting, and if they are about the performance, it's, like, a very tiny thing, and it's kind of vague because you don't want to give the actor a specific direction unless it is a very specific action they need to do. If it's an emotional right. direction, one word could be interpreted ten different ways. So you have to just kind of say try this and then just like see what happens <laughs> you know like, <laughs> yeah that's that's what creating collaboratively is like you gotta give other people breathing room to do their part i don't know well no and he, he clearly doesn't <laughs> do that but like you're you're right that the and the way i know you're right two ways he doesn't have gary kurtz who was the producer on the first two star wars movies and I think was a big, big, big factor in like move doing exactly what you're saying, exactly what he didn't have this time around. And the reason I know he didn't have it is because of one of my very favorite things ever, which is the bonus DVD that comes with episode one has like a making of documentary. And it's, it's one of, I, you could, you could, 
qualify it, you could you could define it as a documentary slash tragedy. Because over the making of this thing, like they do realize at a certain point it's bad. <laughs> like it's oh, not no. a good movie. And like it's really, really kind of funny to watch it go from the producer on day one being like, George is a genius. George is the man. He's just like, <laughs> My job is to let George do whatever George wants to do. It's like how he afraid like he's just Mr. Moneybags, you know, mm. like no real artistic vision here. Just kinda of like, I'm letting this auteur do his thing. He's like, Well, what if I did everything i wanted and it's like oh no <laughs> george not everything surely not everything you wanted uh, yeah there's like no i i do it's it's one of those things that's i think is dying more and more in popular conception as well as in the way the industry works it still depends on who you're working for obviously because some mm-hmm. people in any business are fucking despots you know some yeah. bosses be like that but, like, more and more it seems like there is, like, this trend away from auteur language unless yeah. you are, like, an indie director, which I think is good. Because if you're an indie director, Agreed. you have to be thinking about your limitations because you don't have money. So exactly. it's okay for you to be seen as some auteur. But if you have money, that's not good. Like, yeah. you need other people <laughs> to, like, Big give you time. input. Because, like, you don't have the same boundaries you would otherwise have to, like, make the story make sense with less money. Dude, so that's the funniest part is that it gets to... And, like, he set out, like, again, in the making of, like, he talks about what his goals are, like, his vision. He talks about how, like, you know, the initial uh, Star Wars movie is cutting between, like, two sequences. The next one is, like, three It's like there's now there's four different like battle sequences I'm cutting between. But anyway, then he gets to the end and like they're watching the movie for the first time. Like this is like the theatrical cut. This is part of the fucking making of that they included. They show them like watching and like the the producer's face is just like (laughs) eyes wide like. Oh my god, I sank so much money into this. And like it's over and the lights come up and George goes, Oh yeah, you know, I think there were a few areas where maybe we went a little too far. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Again, I th- I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube. Um I would highly, highly, highly suggest it. Like it's it's it is a fascinating piece of like filmmaking history you know about, I, I love and it's the story dude because it's the story of like they gave this guy too much to do more than honestly anybody could do including like you james cameron but like too much to do and it just it didn't work out and like there are so many amazing parts of this movie amazing the music is I honestly think that the music is better in this entry than in any other entry in the franchise. It's and so that's really good. saying something. I mean, well, I mean, it makes the the I mean, the two best scenes are also coupled with like the best scores, which are the pod race, and then we haven't gotten to it yet, but the uh, the big Naboo uh, battle we can get to it. We can scene. get to it. We're skipping Coruscant. Some Coruscant shit happens, and then they're like, "And it results we should go in." Home! 
<laughs> yeah, it results in Padme doing a vote of no, a lot of dumb political world building George Lucas stuff, which I yes. totally appreciate as someone who is such a, a like fan of world building stuff. But it's done in the most boring way, yeah. And even I didn't enjoy it, and it results nope. in Chancellor Valorum being voted out, and and then we find out at the end that uh, Senator Palpatine has become Chancellor Palpatine. You know this is significant. I mean, if you don't know this fact, then you probably shouldn't be listening to this Star Wars episode. But, you know, he's he's the fucking emperor or the will be emperor. So this is like a big moment for Palpatine and anyone who kind of like isn't an idiot watching this movie who has seen any of the other movies is like, you know, <laughs> you know, well, who Palpatine so, is. Even well, though so here's like, it's a secret. here's something fun. <laughs> here's something fun. There were there were like serious discussions early on, on so the entire time the Trade Federation is being like influenced by this evil Sith Lord named Darth Sidious, who is obviously Palpatine. They Some do no were... <laughs> They do no work. They literally like pull the hood over that yep. actor's eyes and are like who could it be? And it's like, well, it's the guy who has the same voice and mouth as as the Senator Palpatine guy. Well, like, and here's obviously. the thing. Why would Newt Gunray not know that? Newt Gunray deals with the Senate all the time. Why? And especially on Naboo, this is the Senator from Naboo. Why would he not just be like, my lord, are you Palpatine? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I will make you Palpatine. Um, you get Darth Maul. Who's cool? Who has a double-bladed lightsaber that's awesome? Oh, Darth Maul. <laughs> Fun fact about Darth Maul. Uh, George Lucas just said, fully fuck it. And did not hire an actor for Darth Maul. He just hired a stunt. Like, I'm pretty sure he's like the stunt coordinator on like the entire movie. So wait, <laughs> and, and Dar- that's like, why Darth Maul does not have like, but two lines? But like two <laughs> lines, correct. Because he's just, he like... George Lucas was kind of accurately like, okay, you serve no real purpose to the plot. You're just there to flip around. I'm going to just, I'm going to favor of the two acting or flipping. I'm going to favor the flipping on this one. I think that was the correct choice. I was about to say one of my favorite parts about Darth Maul's character is that he does not speak. So I don't have time to form an opinion of him other than what the movie tells me to think, which is, which is effective. Star Wars does that a lot, but uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi defeats Darth Maul after Darth Maul cuts Qui-Gon in half, and he's like, chain the boy! Darth Maul stabs Qui-Gon. Thank you, thank you, thank you. (laughs) Uh, That would have to happen that way, yep. Um, Anyway, then you get to the ending sequence which i love oh my god wait 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 pause before what? we get to the ending sequence and i'm sorry what to ruin the miss? momentum we totally went on a tangent to explain midi-chlorians and then we went on another tangent and never explained what midi-chlorians were because Midi- now we're saying the thing that Qui-Gon Jinn on his deathbed says is train the boy, and it's because of all these midi-chlorians that are in the boy's blood. But what are midi-chlorians? Well, Chris, midi-chlorians are microscopic conduits, kind of, with the force. Like, you influence midi-chlorians that are in your blood, and then those midi-chlorians influence the force. 
it's an unnecessary go between with like it was perfectly reasonable to assume and also midichlorians uh i guess produce the force I've they're like micro according unclear. to him they're micro they're microorganisms or whatever microscopic organisms so they are themselves like things that live within our own human cells and apparently everything that's alive which like so Chris. i get i just like i don't know i was already satisfied with the force connects all living things full stop you Did don't need to give it. me the science behind why that mm-hmm. works Nope. This is not like I think George also makes the mistake in this movie of thinking for a bit that he is making a sci-fi movie and he's not. He's writing This is Dune. a fantasy film in space. <laughs> he's trying to make Dune. Yeah, like it, it's just like no no, no. Holy shit, no. Don't like none of that, George. I don't want any goddamn explanations out of you. Um, but you know, Chris Say what you will about the sequel trilogy, and I will because I don't love them, but here's the thing. George Lucas kind of got caught on this microscopic tangent, and had he been given his way, like, and if he ever did a sequel trilogy, apparently it would have gotten into the fact that the galaxy far, far away is like a Whoville situation. It's like inside a molecule. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. And and Luke and all his friends are microscopic organisms. <laughs> so, you know, I, at least I, we that's didn't That's one get of those that. things where it's just like, God, <laughs> nobody cares. Yeah. Like, don't Good add time. details that no. do not functionally change anything and, in fact, make things, everything, seem stupid. Yep. <laughs> don't. Yeah. Don't do that, George. <laughs> Don't do that, George. Uh, I want to be perfectly clear that Ahmed Best is a sweet, sweet man. I wish nothing but the best for him and his. Um, and and Jar Jar, like, there's only one person responsible for Jar Jar, and that's George Lucas, man. Like, yeah. I do not want to hear it. Where, like, the, act- the actor did exactly what he was fucking told to do, man. Look at the script for episode one that bullshit is written out like <laughs> you got you said guys are bomb bad is is the line that that man had to say fuck you you tell me how you would have delivered that oh yeah no i mean i that's one of those things where it's like Cat, yeah, you, you can't up. put the oh no not I all it's just I couldn't hear him through the call, so I'm excited to hear him on the recording when I. Yeah, yeah, he'll be there. He'll be there meowing. Well, anyway, (laughs) okay, so midi chlorians are dumb. Sorry to take away the momentum. You were about to take us into the finale battle, etc. Man, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, 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 anticlimactic. No, I wasn't. I just episode one. It's a you guys know what happens. They baby. win the battle. They win it's the battle. Fine. It has some sight gags from Jar Jar. It has some cool lightsaber battles. Oh, where... oh! The only thing that I wanted oh, to note about this is that this is the first time I noticed that the final line of the movie is oh. Jar Jar's, and it is Yahoo! <laughs> <laughs> like again, I cannot emphasize enough. If if there are only two takeaways from this episode. 
is that you must read the script because <laughs> it's one thing to see it. It's a whole nother thing to see that. Holy shit. Somebody sat down and wrote this on a typewriter. No less. You son of a God. bitch. Um, I am. I do need to read it. It's kind of, it sounds like it's, it's a less depressing version of reading like a Tarantino script, which I hate reading yeah, because it. then you realize how many times he uses the N word in the action lines of his script using the n-word when no character is saying it there's that, no fucking reason to use it in in not dialogue that's if not there a, is a reason to use it in dialogue that's <laughs> not a and it is not okay i don't and <laughs> it's uh, bad uh, uh, <laughs> it's one of those where it's like the first time i like read Django and chino's like hmm I think Tarantino might just be an evil person. <laughs> like, this is... I'm not sure he knows it, but, like, what you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm looking up Django Unchained script right now. But also watch that uh, on, on... It's, like, the making of episode one. Um, it's on YouTube. I know it's on YouTube. It, it's You'll just... Enjoy it's it, such listener. a good tragedy. Oh, I can hear... I can hear him. Little Lex meowing. Is can he you hear hungry? him now? he's not fucking he's jelly he's jelly the dog he's went jelly. for a walk and when the dog leaves he's like ah 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 <laughs> he just like keeps doing that until until she <laughs> comes handle... back basically yeah that's kind can't... of adorable though he can't handle I... it when his when his dog friend leaves no I, again i think it's jealousness like or jealousness jealousy Jealousy, but i i I like that you turned a a great gin blossom song into like a into like an underwater monster jealousness Jealousness. all right all right well i guess that's our episode this week what are we if you want to watch with us next week so if you want to watch i know that i know that uh uh, Dale has been suggesting stuff, but I feel like we had something else on the docket already. What were you? You had one last week that you were thinking about throwing at us before uh, Star Wars. Yeah, Blonde on Netflix won oh, worst right. picture at the Razzies. Um, so that kind I mean, of I'll watch my it. Interest. It's fucking long. I looked at the timestamp when you. It's like three hours long. No. Okay. No. <laughs> no. 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 I like bad shit, man. I don't like three hours of bad shit. I mean, it's I got... probably not three hours of bad shit. I do like the actors in it, so I'm hoping they won't be terrible. I assume it's bad because it's probably just like over dramatic about everything. Yeah. Which is a, a shame. I think if you're going to make a movie about Marilyn Monroe, it should probably be like about i don't know i think you could make a really interesting movie about marilyn monroe but if if i were going to make my dream one it would be through the perspective of everyone who works closely with marilyn monroe i would want the protagonist to be like her agent and like arthur miller when yeah i would want it to be like when she's or... married to arthur miller and like he and the agent mm-hmm. and like other people around her are the main characters. So there is an actor who is doing a lot of work to play her the whole movie. Yeah. But the story of Marilyn Monroe is not told by her. And I would yes. want the characters 
we're following to be the people who actually told that story in real time. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to her. That, I don't know. That would be kind of like a, a... It'd be a cool way to do it. And show uh, how fucked up her whole life was. <laughs> yeah, kind of, or or, or kind of like I'm not there, you know, where it's like exactly, it's like examining a legend from from different perspectives and kind of how like yeah, no, no, like some of these things are very mutually exclusive. All of these cannot be true at once. Let's break it down. Yeah, yes. Oh I man, agree. what a great movie! Inspired really by it. the many lives of Bob Dylan. Uh well, there you go. After listening to us go, talk yeah. about a bad movie, if you want to watch a great movie, I'm Not There by Todd Haynes, I want to say. That sounds right to me. That? that sounds right. Um, sounds right enough. One of the most prolific queer American directors of the 80s and 90s who didn't die of AIDS. Um, Good for him. You might know him more famously from the movie Carol, but... Mm. I'm Not There is probably the best thing he's ever done. It's really good. It's got Kate Blanchett, Christian Bale, totally worth the watch. Richard Gere, that movie is a lot more star-studded than I realized. <laughs> it's so good. I, I, <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. I wish, again, I wish that more huge, influential pop icons got, like, that treatment. I think it's an interesting way to, like, evaluate modern legends. Yeah. That's all I've got to say about that. We said go on home! I guess next week will be a surprise. You can't watch along with us, suckers. But you'll find out what we watched when we release it. Chris, I just said we said going home, man. I just... Or wait, no, I gotta end on the actual last line. Yahoo! Yeah, please.